Good morning. First reading uh, is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 27. It will be found on page uh, 1134 through to 1135 on the Church Bibles. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by spirit you put to death the mind seeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies within our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the Son of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is, seen is no, that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not ha- yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of our Lord. David Pawson, who may still be alive, though he'll be quite a great age, is a well-known Bible teacher, and he once told the story of a conference, a very large conference, when the subject was the work of the Holy Spirit. It went well. It's a crowded hall, and then he made an invitation for people who wanted to receive the Holy Spirit to come forward. And people started to come forward, quite significant numbers. And then looking down the the long aisle, he could see a nun dressed in the usual habit of a nun coming forward, hurrying forward. And as she got near to the stage, she shouted, Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit or I'll tell your mother. Oh, good, the vicar's laughing anyway. (laughs) So, this only five verses now, again on the Holy Spirit. Do we want God the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, here we go. On the evening of that first day, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we? Too much power. Less, Lord, less. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit. Empower the Word of God to speak to us now. Open my mouth to speak your word. Open our ears that we might hear and open our hearts that we might respond in joy and in truth. Amen. So, current series... Back to basics. Struggling with this, aren't we? Our current series, Back to Basics, uh, has been going on for a few weeks now. And uh, we've, um, we've looked at uh, the cross, the core of our faith. We've looked at new birth, which that cross makes possible. We've looked at the assurance of our place in the family of God. And last week we looked at the Word of God. The Word of God, speaking power into our lives. And this series should have finished today on Pentecost Sunday, which would have been an excellent uh, climax. And by the end of the, uh, the series, we would have uh, seen how in all of these aspects of our faith, the Holy Spirit is uh, the active force. That makes them possible for us. But unfortunately, we had to clear a space for a couple of Sundays. We had uh, the uh, puppet team praising hands, and uh, we had Mission Support Sunday. And so uh, actually, we've got two more sessions left to come. But even so, we've already seen how important, how significant the Holy Spirit is in all of these, uh, in, in all of these central concerns of our faith. Let's use our first reading as a recap. You'll see what I mean. If you're reading it from the Bible, it was back in page 1134, page 1134, but you'll see the uh, key verses on the screen behind me. So first of all, we looked at the cross, and it's by the Spirit's power that Christ is raised from the dead. Verse 11. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So it's the spirit who was already at work in the life of Christ, raising him from the dead after uh, his death on the cross. And it's by the spirit that his cross becomes our salvation. Verse 12, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. And by his Spirit we're able to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Verse 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So um, theme one, the cross by the power of the Spirit. Second theme, new birth sonship. It's by the Spirit's power that we come to new birth in Christ and receive our new life. Verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. Verse 15, for you received the Spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Third theme, assurance. It's the Spirit's inner witness we were hearing that assures us of our salvation. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then last week we were hearing <coughs> about the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. It's by the Spirit that we hear and respond to God's Word. Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And next week, we're going to go on and look at holiness, a life that is uh, like the life of the Lord Jesus, separated out for his work and uh, purified um, uh, by his presence, by his Spirit, to be like him. The Spirit's fruit growing in us, as we were hearing earlier, Galatians 5.22 it's the Spirit's fruit growing in us that makes us more like Jesus. Verse 5. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And finally, our last session, our last uh, um, uh, uh, Sunday in the preaching series in two weeks' time, we'll look at intercession and mission. And it's only by the Spirit that we can move the Father in prayer and respond to Christ's call to mission. Verse 27. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So throughout the series already, we've seen how energetic and active is our spirituality, our spiritual life. It's why we love children's ministry. We love children amongst us. It's why we love band-led worship. It's why we work so hard to understand the Bible. It's why we thirst for righteousness and pray um, and struggle to make our life and our behavior more like Jesus. It's why we throw our energy and our resources into the church, into its church life and, and into serving one another and into witness to the world around us praying hard for justice and salvation and for God's kingdom to come. It's why we commit to going anywhere that our, lead, our Lord leads and doing anything that he commands. But such an active spirituality demands a vital resource. Otherwise, we will get exhausted and we will slump into the opposite tendencies of listlessness, of exhaustion, and of ineffectiveness. And the consistent testimony of generation after generation of Christians like us 
is that it's, it's the power of God's Spirit working in Christ's people which is crucially necessary to sustain and make effective all this work of mission and service and of prayer. Without this reliance on the Spirit, we would soon fall a prey to resentful duty or helpless despair. Either we would think we could do it all in our own arrogant ability and the world would suffer, or, or the opposite. We would give up, knowing that we couldn't do it, and then the world would not be helped. In all and each of these challenges that face us, we have to return to the Father to ask for His Spirit for the power to achieve what Christ promises as possible for those who faithfully serve Him. Say it again. We return to the Father to ask for His Spirit for the power to achieve what Christ promises as possible for those who faithfully serve Him. This being the case, you can understand why after the four, uh, the four kind of quests that we have had so far that we've explored, the two more to come, why there's a seventh quest which is so important for us. An urgent longing for more of Christ's Spirit. <clears throat> In the words of the hymn from, I think, the third century Latin, so 1,700 years the church has been singing this song, Come, Holy Spirit, our souls inspire and lighten with celestial fire. Or in a rather more uh, recent chorus, more love, more power, more of you in our lives. More love, more power, more of you in our lives. More love, more power, more of you in our lives. For 2,000 years, the church has struggled to understand who the Spirit is and what its place is within the Holy Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead. And all across the country and the world today, vicars and preachers are going to be inventing new images to try and express what is the role and the place of the Holy Spirit. And already we've had two images that, uh, uh, that Rachel has given to us. And you can see from all that I've said so far and all that we've explored in these last three, four weeks, you can see why for us the images that are active and about power are so important to us. Now, I didn't, uh, Rachel didn't look at what I was preaching about today when she came up with her introductory images, but her images are both about power. Here's the heavy weight, the burden that we are carrying that we can scarcely lift. And we ask for God's Holy Spirit to be in us to lift that burden for us. And here's something to be moved. And the power of the Spirit, which we can't see, is at work and moving. Now, we often use the image of being a, being a, a seaside and, a, and a, um, a sailing port 
we often use the image of the sail on the sailing boat, on the yacht, filled with the wind, driving the boat along. And we pray and ask that God's Spirit would be in us as we put up our sails and tune them to the direction of his blowing, that he might drive us forwards and give us power and direction. Well, here are a few more. If uh, God is like, the, um, is like the power socket that we plug ourselves into, then the Holy Spirit is the live cable. The Holy Spirit is the power at work in us. Or um, there's the gas boiler. Now, it's something very strange. This is our gas boiler. This is a, um, this is a Worcester, a, a Worcester boiler, that's right. Um, something very odd uh, that neither of us can quite explain is that Rachel has become the acknowledged expert on lighting boilers in our house. And she is the only person who can light the gas fridge in our caravan. Try as I might, in the end I always have to hand it over, give the floor to her, and she bends down and seemingly without effort, she lights the pilot light and the fridge is, can work. So the Holy Spirit is like a pilot light lit in our lives. Can we just go back to the pilot light? Uh, can, you not, can you not get just the pilot light? Okay, the Holy Spirit is like the pilot light, which is a light all the time, without which the boiler can't work. It's always lit. But when you want hot water, hot water on demand, then the burners turn on, the pilot light lights the burners, lights the gas, and the burners roar into life. That's the Holy Spirit at work in us as we call on him to fill us and as we respond to the challenges that Christ sets for us, the challenges of Christ in our life. The Spirit of God is God's power at work in our lives. But as Paul carefully explains to the Corinthians, the power of God isn't for us to make to make us feel good, to make us look good in front of others, so that we can say how cool we are. No. The power of God at work in us is so that we can build up Christ's people and bless others and do his work and further his kingdom. And in the end, the Spirit of God is always a gift. We can't demand it. It is given to us. We have no right to require the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Receiving it doesn't make us special or chosen. It's rather that Christ has promised the Holy Spirit to us as we faithfully seek to fulfill his commission. So in the words of Jesus, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we do, as children of our Heavenly Father, we have been given the right to ask for more of his Holy Spirit. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? So why don't we do that? Why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us again? We may never have done it before. Jesus reassures us that it is a good gift of himself that he gives to us. We may have done it many times before, but we leak. So Paul urges us, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are we needing to know the power of Christ's crucifixion and his forgiveness in our life, then we need the Holy Spirit. Are we longing for Christ to bring us to new life, to new birth in him? Are we wanting the assurance that we are part of his family, no matter how we feel or what we've done? Are we wanting to hear and accept the word of God, its truth and its power? Are we wanting to fashion our lives more like Jesus and struggling to make that happen? Are we longing to share his good news but somehow can never find the words to say or the, or the right way to say them? Are we wanting to follow Jesus wherever he leaves but looking for the courage to leave the place where we are and step into the future? There may be one of these particular things that you are needing God's power for at the moment. God offers that to you as you ask for it. Some people find it helpful to open their hands when they're receiving a gift. If you don't open your hands, it's quite hard to take the gift. If we open our hands as we pray for the gift of God's Spirit, somehow that helps us to uh, align our inner selves and to ask. Most of us find it easier to pray and to ask God with our eyes shut because then we can concentrate on him. I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to, to stand with me and to open your hands and to ask for God's Spirit. But if you can't stand, why not just close your eyes and ask nonetheless? Let's ask for God's Spirit to fill us, surround us, and change us. Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you love to give good gifts to your children. Thank you for the gift of your Spirit that you offer to us. We pray that for all of us who have asked Jesus into our lives, that you will fill us now with your Holy Spirit and give to us the gifts that you have for us. 
We receive your gifts now. Fill us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come fill us now. Please fill us to overflowing with your goodness and your love.